0: Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast, helping engineers, producers, and artists create professional recordings and mixes, even from home. I'm your host, Mike Davina. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast. My name is Mike Davina, and thanks for hanging out. Today my guest is Cassie Petrie, and if you're not familiar with Cassie, she is the woman behind a lot of major artists social media profiles. She's worked with artists such as the Backstreet Boys, Camila Cabello, Paramore, Nickelback, and a whole bunch more. She's also the co-founder of a company called CrowdSurf, which is a marketing and music management firm. And as you'll hear in this interview, she started off as a fangirl who has very quickly become known for being one of the social media experts that a lot of big artists go to. And since then, she has been the recipient of the Forbes 30 Under 30 and Billboard 30 Under 30 Awards. So she definitely knows what she's talking about, and she knows a lot of great information in terms of how to help artists market their music and how to really master the social media game. So I wanted to bring her on here today because I know that usually we talk about audio engineering and all the techie kind of stuff, but I know that there are a lot of you out there who have been working on your music and you're ready to release it and now you're thinking, well what do I do to make people notice this? How do I get people to start listening to my music or follow me or you know buy tickets to my shows and that kind of stuff? In this interview, we're going to cover a lot of those details in terms of what things you should be considering with your marketing and how far in advance you should be doing it, what kind of content you should be making, what metrics matter, all of that kind of stuff. Again, Cassie does this every day for major, major artists. So she's seen what works and what doesn't. So I thought that she'd be a great person to have on the podcast today to help you with getting your music noticed and help you start to have a better game plan for what to do as far as promoting your music. So with that said, let's just jump right into this interview because I know you're going to find it super helpful. Cassie Petrie, thank you so much for being on the Master Your Mix podcast. How's it going? Good, good. And uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. For people who might not be familiar with you and what you do, who you are, and how you ultimately got into this, can you give us that background?
1: Yes. So I am Cassie. I am the co-founder of a company called CrowdSurf. We've existed for over 16 years now. And that company is focused on social media marketing. And in the past couple of years, we've also kind of forayed into um, artist management as well before I started the company, I worked at Warner Music Group. And at that time, this was like 2004 to 2007. It was called the New Media Department. Um, basically, the New Media Department just collected everything in the building that nobody else knew what to do with, <laughs> which was, you know, fun times. Um, and then, you know, what kind of led me into that job there is I was actually just a really big fan girl. Like, I loved the Baxter Boys when I was 11 and 12. And I still... I still love them to this day, but that's when my love for them started. And I made this big online fanzine that I sent out via AOL um what because that was kind of like the main sort of way of communicating at the time. And that really just solidified my love for like being a part of the the music scene and going to concerts. And then I think when I was about fifteen years old, I realized that there were jobs that weren't the person on stage. And I sort of became hyper focused on that and being the person that supports artists and started like doing that I'm from Louisville Kentucky and I started doing that on a local level like helping local bands um with their email list um Pure Volume was a website that was becoming more popular at the time I was helping artists with their Pure Volume pages I was helping them sell merch I was um helping national acts coming through Louisville Kentucky post flyers and letting people know about their shows. So I just was, you know, in high school started getting into helping artists in different ways. And that's like what kind of led me into a college rep job at Warner music group, which led me to like that new media department, which sort of like made me really hone my focus in on digital. And that was kind of the beginning of what I think kind of the beginning of working in social media, like professionally, and what was really sort of, you know, teed me up to, Start crowdsurf with my business partners, a similar background and a similar situation, and I'm I'm just grateful we still exist and that we've gotten to watch social media evolve and I think help a lot of artists tackle the beast along the way.
0: Yeah, of course. It's interesting because it sounded like yeah, you just you were just a fan first, and then you just started helping people, local people. Like, did you have any sort of experience at all with like? Merchandising or social media or anything, like, that. Or like how did you, how did you ultimately learn how to like deal with that and like approach artists and say, hey, I want to help you out with this, or was it just like literally volunteering and learning on the on the fly? It's I've always been a volunteer
1: and learn on the fly, and I I honestly kind of struggle with this to this day when like training staff members now because they're like, we need more training, and I'm like, I don't I I don't know how to like I mean I've I figured out <laughs> ways to do that better over the years because I had to to survive as an entrepreneur, but. It, at first when I would get that question, I'm like, training, like, wh- what is that? Like, what does that mean? How do you get that? I, 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 I've learned that I'm a very like kinetic person in terms of learning and absorbing information. When I do conference calls, I actually like to go on a walk because I focus better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like moving real life, like helps me like absorb stuff. And I think I learn the same way. So it was just finding a local band that I, I liked and kind of like you know, I would just look at like what I could find about them online and go to a show. And I could immediately like see the the holes in a lot of stuff and where they needed help. I could see like that the person running merch wasn't friendly enough or wasn't proactive enough or that they should have more product or that they should have an email list at the at the table. I feel like I can look at any music project that exists, even when I was 15 and be able to find five ways that I could help make that artist's career better not from like a product or music standpoint but from like a marketing and infrastructure standpoint i just think it's kind of a knack that i've always had so i when i found a local band i was like i was like oh i can run your email list and i'll print out the clipboard at the next show and set it up and they're like oh okay sure we haven't even have thought about that
0: so i've just yeah. always kind of dived in and figured out how to help Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like bands not even thinking about things like that. And I I think that there's a lot of artists that are in that same boat where it's like they've just they make music because that's what they love. And then they're like, oh, well, I guess we're a band, so we should probably do what bands do and maybe just get some shirts or something, you know, like it's just kind of like they're following what other people are doing and not even really strategizing any of it, you know. Um, Yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And if you find that to be true as well.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely find that to to be true. And I, I understand why, like, you know, and for like context for listeners, I've, I I live with my boyfriend, we've been together for eight years, and he is a musician and has a studio in our house. And so I feel like I've gotten to understand artists and musicians even more through that process that I did, you know, before with just working with musicians versus living with one. and the making music is a very all encompassing job. Like, you know, if I go to an office and work for eight or nine hours, I still don't think that takes as much energy as it does like a four hours in the studio. Like making music is a very all encompassing energy draining, sometimes in a good way, but like it, it it takes a lot more out of you than it does for me to be on conference calls and answer emails in a lot of circumstances. So I understand why all this other stuff is probably a second thought because there's so much energy that goes into making great music. So I completely understand why there's probably, there's not much brain power left after you've gotten through that part of it.
0: Fair. Yeah. But at the same time too, it's like, once you're done with those, those recordings, what are you going to do about it now? Right? Like that's, that's where I think people need to start shifting their mindset a little bit. And it's like, you know, the days of, I think that these days, I've always said, like, we're in the entertainment industry. We're not in the music industry. And, you know, it's like the music is a part of the entertainment. And we now need to be focusing on the social media and the marketing. All that stuff is part of the entertainment. You know, that's how you connect with your fans. That's how you market yourself. And all, and that's how you keep top of mind. So um, I just I feel like there's a lot of bands who just still think it's like the music industry. And that's that you just have good songs and that's all you need. But there's definitely a lot more to it, especially as a young artist. I I would think, unless you disagree with that. No, I, I don't disagree with that. And I think that there's always been a lot of, you know, extra
1: work to it. And there's, yeah, there's a difference between, you know, wanting to make music and wanting to be an artist. And I think that a lot of people have to decide if they want to go on that journey of being an artist. And being an artist, you know, requires... You know if you want that to be your actual living versus a hobby, there's there's a lot of business that goes into into that side of the job. And there's a lot of you know more work versus just creating music. And you have to figure out, okay, like how do I how do I take what I made? How do I take my art and put it out and sell it as a as a product? And how do I get over sort of like the mental blocks That I could have with that but that you know I think that's a decision that a lot of people have to make because there's a lot of people a lot of musicians that that it's their hobby and they want to do it for fun and that's it's not their job and they don't have to worry about that part of it but if you want it to be your job you're you know that essentially means you're probably becoming an artist or working with artists in some capacity and you have to figure out what the business infrastructure is behind that
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and it's good to distinguish those two for sure Um, so I'm curious then, like, you know, you talked about how you have this ability to like, look at a a band's merchandising or strategy, whatever you want to call it and kind of see like, Oh, you need to have this. You need to have this. Um, you know, do you feel like you're able to do that because you come to it from the perspective of a fan first? Yeah. And in general, even outside of music, I just feel like I am
1: an ultimate consumer so i think having a consumer perspective really helps me in a lot of these situations so definitely being like an ultimate consumer from a fan perspective you know, i think really helps but in general like i like when i get the right instagram ad for me like for some reason i think a lot of people feel sort of like duped in that situation <laughs> and i feel like excited i'm like they targeted me correctly and they made the perfect piece of content and i'm going to buy what they sold me and i I'm excited about that because I feel like I'm like, you did good <laughs> and I want this product and I, I'm proud of you for marketing it to me. Like I enjoy like being the consumer in all aspects. So, yeah, I, I do think having a consumer perspective and like sort of observing my own behavior with that has been a really big advantage for me.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, with the ads, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Like it's a double edged sword. Cause it's like, I don't want to spend money because I see ads of things that I want, but I'd rather see things that I want and lust over them than like a bunch of garbage that I don't want to scroll through. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. When I get like, you know, when other certain types of products that I get and I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, like one, like the content's bad and that's like, you know, like I would like that product, but like the way you frame this video is horrible. Like I, I'm so critical about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, or when I get a product that I would never buy, or it's not, you know, gonna fit me, or it's marketing me like I have kids, but I don't, or whatever. It, it, you know, I definitely, yeah, I want, I want the right products in my feed, but for sure, I don't know. There's something like I enjoy about
0: watching that. There's something that you can definitely learn from watching how other people market products and their music and all that kind of stuff too, right? Like you learn how to communicate with people and get the right messaging out there and kind of some of the, the strategies that may or may not be working. So um, yeah, definitely. Like I think it is a good idea to actually pay attention to those ads that you see on your feeds because you can learn a lot from that. Yeah. And I, and I understand that like
1: sometimes like mindless scrolling is a part of people's relaxation But I think if you, I think that can still, if you enjoy that and you love just like scrolling through Instagram reels and not thinking about what you're seeing, that's cool. But maybe sometimes a good place to start is like pick, you know, pick like 30 minutes twice a week or whatever, but allocate some time to it. I think this is a good place to start as an artist and scroll through your feed and think about it critically. Like, why am I seeing this? Why is this ad targeted to me? why do we think this artist that I followed posted this piece of content? I think just spending some time observing what other people are doing, but like taking it one step above mindless scrolling, you can really learn a lot from that.
0: Of course. Yeah. So let's say an artist has just finished making their music and the, the record's done and they want to release it, but they have no clue how to promote. Where should they ultimately begin?
1: So the- I think artists should ultimately begin by just making a mini plan. Like it doesn't have to be like formatted beautifully. It can even be on like your notes on your phone, but just having a plan of, you know, when you're going to upload it and have, you know, knowing what art you're going to upload with it. I think have it picking a date. Please always pick a date four weeks in advance or farther (laughs) from uploading it. That alone is going to, give you so many more promotional opportunities within systems like apple and spotify i I know that you a lot of times people want to release it as soon as it can be physically available but i'll explain in a second why it's so advantageous to maybe give the longer lead time a shot but so make make like a plan that has dates on it so when you're going to upload it when you're first going to tell people it's coming out maybe like 10 to 7 days before and then like have a plan for like what maybe maybe you're going to post something the day before it comes out then post something the day that it's out and then you know maybe think of a couple pieces of content to promote the song after and then if you want to build a plan beyond just like one song and by the way DSPs and when I say DSPs I mean like Apple Spotify etc they love long-term plans. So like, if you have a plan, like you have an album done and you're going to release a couple singles, then have an album, like have a little mini plan with dates on it. And when you submit a song for being taken into consideration for Spotify, you actually can share some of that information. And they really like knowing like what tour dates you have coming up or, you know, what other songs you have coming in the future that you have an album coming, but all that information Having a plan, it just, even if it's very basic and just some dates, is a really good place to start. And I think a lot of people don't even take the time to to make the plan because I think they don't matter. It doesn't matter, but the the plan very much does matter.
0: Yeah. No, totally. I, I think a lot of people just they're like, "Cool, a song's done. Like, go to Spotify. Like, or upload this stuff onto Spotify, and like that's it." And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like, there's having that marketing roadmap ahead of you, like really does give you, if you've mapped it out, it makes it easy for you to figure out what to do when. And yeah, like with a tool like Spotify, like, like you said, that they, they want to see consistency. They want to see a plan and, uh, and even a lot of the playlists and stuff like that, you have to submit them well in advance to get considered. So um, it's definitely something people shouldn't be rushing into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I finally talked my boyfriend into, he does, um, he makes two things. He does like instrumental cover songs and then he does, and then he has his own jazz record. And I finally talked him into letting me like submit stuff farther in advance. And the first time we did it, he got his song on like the state of jazz playlist. I didn't talk to anybody at Spotify. I didn't have, have like a connection I pushed to literally just did what they asked in terms of submitting it with the form enough in advance and that alone got him on the biggest jazz playlist so if you do things correctly i have seen it work out for people and because i think a lot of people are like well i'm not going to get a playlist anyway so why should i wait Mm -hmm. but and sometimes that does happen unfortunately you do take that risk of you do everything right and you wait longer and you wish the song was out and it didn't do anything but sometimes it does and i think it's worth holding out for those sometimes
0: moments I think that's a really good point that you bring up. And, and it's not just about having connections with Spotify or whoever. It's like, just follow the process. It's usually like, there's a process for a reason. So if you if you actually pay attention to that kind of stuff and submit accordingly to like those, those terms, like then you're going to increase your chances of getting picked. So um, I think that's important because, yeah, there's still a lot of people in the industry who will think like, oh, it's all about like who you know. And if I don't know somebody there, then I'm not going to get what I need, that kind of thing or what I want. Um, so yeah, I love that you brought up just like just following their rules, you know, and following their steps. I think that's important. And even if you
1: do know people, like, let's say, you know, because I, I work with, I work on a lot of pop artists. So like, I know the pop editors there. The first thing they're going to ask me if I email them in a pitch is, did you submit it through the pitch tool yet? And they might be able to like flag it or make sure like certain editors take a second look at it, but I'm still going to have to fill out that form. There's no way around filling out the artist pitch form on Spotify to get placement. They're going to make me do it no matter Mm -hmm. what. Even if I know the president, they're still going to make me (laughs) fill out the form. I'm going to have to go through the process.
0: love that. So you talked about like the long-term strategy and kind of letting Spotify know about that kind of stuff. Um, Are there like any specific release strategies that you can think of that... Can help people with with their music. Like, do you recommend people be releasing singles these days, or is this just like a straight up album? Like, is is there anything to consider there?
1: I think it's a combination of both. I think leading, I think having a couple single moments leading into an EP or an album can be nice. Um, I saw this article on Billboard a couple of days ago that talked about how some of the biggest successes this year were on the back of albums versus the single release strategy. So I'm hoping that we see more like albums in the mix again. Cause I think people are so focused on these single moments mm-hmm. that, um, we've kind of lost albums, but there's a lot of data now showing that, um, you know, people are going through and listening through full albums and that, that is like increasing people's streams and that people are interested in that still. Um, but I I think it can be either way. I've had a lot of success too with artists who just release every six weeks religiously, like release a single I've seen success on both sides, but but even if they're releasing the song every six weeks, they're still running probably like five or six songs ahead. Like they know in six months, what song is coming out. And I think a lot of the artists that I see that have the most success have like, they master that balance of, not waiting too long to release something, but also like having, you know, not like not knowing what's coming after the current song they have, they have a a long-term roadmap. So I think it's kind of hitting that, that balance, but I think maybe the sort of the, because I think a lot of musicians sort of, they have like a problem with finishing a song. (laughs) They'll like sit with it forever and make changes on it forever. And I think at some point you have to call it done. And then, And maybe done. it doesn't mean like you put it on out immediately, but you put it on the schedule to release it immediately.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you don't want to be playing catch up and like feeling like you have to like rush through the process. Like the more, the more you finish the songs in advance, like the more you can actually be strategic with releasing them and, getting all your ducks in a row to like, not just put it on Spotify, but also to plan out your social media marketing and all that other kind of stuff that you're going to be doing with it. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts, like with, with albums on Spotify, like I think one of the big trends that we've seen, obviously in the last few years has been like releasing singles. And I think a part of that is because of kind of that long-term roadmap, like you were talking about, where if people are releasing songs every six months or every six weeks, it's almost like you're keeping top of mind and you're feeding the, machine like new material all the time um so as far as like you know giving spotify what they would want if you're releasing an album i guess it's just about really like having that plan of the back like what you're going to do to promote it on the back end letting them know about the tours and all that kind of stuff because then they then i'm assuming that's what they would be looking at to see that there is that long-term strategy there right yeah and i
1: think maybe it's like we're gonna you know the the end game is an album, but we're going to drop these three songs leading into the album. Gotcha. And then there's going to be a tour after there's going to be a music video or, you know, and then I'm going to release single one, you know, six months from that or, you know, from the next project. But I think just, you know, just kind of general, like, play, you know, career plans and knowing that it's not just like I'm releasing a song and I'm praying it goes viral on TikTok. Like knowing (laughs) that like, no matter what happens, no matter what happens on social media, like you're still going to keep releasing music. I think that's important to them to know that you're serious about this because it is so, it is so much easier to put out a song now that I think that they want to see a commitment from artists versus people throwing stuff on a whim and hoping that they have a moment. They want to see, I think they want to see people that are, in this for the long haul and aren't just here to try to have like a TikTok moment.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so then the other question I would have is like, as far as like, it's, it's one thing to have your music up on these platforms. Um, and to, to have that strategy going into it, like what you think you're going to, how you think you're going to promote your album and stuff. But like, what kind of content should people actually be making beyond just like uploading something on, on like Spotify? Like what kind of social media content do you think people, artists should be making to promote their music?
1: So the thing that I think is really great about social media music right now is that music-centric content is being favored pretty popularly, pretty like well and popularly in the in the algorithm, which I don't think what I would say is the case five years ago. I'm seeing a lot of content that's super successful that's um, like one person with the acoustic guitar, just you know, well lit and well recorded, but singing to camera is pretty simple. It's an iPhone it's camera. It's not something more high-end than that. Um, Seeing a lot of success with these videos of like vocalists singing in car garages or um, kitchens, Um, seeing, you know, dance, you know, people dancing to songs still, you know, do well. Like there's, there's a lot of music centric content that's doing well. and, And I like to sort of simplify it for artists by thinking about, okay, what you know, at at the core of these platforms, regardless of how you see how people populate their content on these platforms, you have to figure out what are short videos that represent your music and post those on the platform. But I think take what other people are posting out of it. And it kind of gives you a more, it kind of, you know, quiets things in your head and makes you, it makes it a little easier to focus on, okay, what content should I be posting? Like what, what what videos do I want to make to promote my music and how do I make that vertical and how do I make that under a minute long? What, is, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times people get caught up, especially when more music centric content wasn't as popular on these platforms. I think the artist would be stressed out because they would see lip syncing videos or like quirky dance trend videos. And they're like, that's not me. And I'm like, I'm not asking you to make those videos. I know those aren't you like, I don't want you to do something that's not you, but mm-hmm what piece of video content is you? Because, and again, if you want to be an artist versus a musician, an artist is going, people are going to have to see you sometimes, whether it's on stage or on video or in pictures. So we're going to have to figure out what, what your video persona is and post that on social media. But I think, you know, there, I'm seeing a lot of success with people having like videos of them playing riffs on guitar. You see like the 10 year old who's really good at bass, you know, like there's a lot of really music centric content. And I think that it can, you don't have to like talk or add weird captions anymore. I think it can just be music. It just needs to be good and it needs to be well lit. I think uh, people struggle with that sometimes um, in terms of you need to have like, it can't be a cool dark room. I know that that's appealing a lot of artists and it's mysterious, but algorithms don't like it. They like, they like clear focus and they like lighter color backdrops. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. They like light. <laughs> um, they, in sucks most to be a goth band. <laughs> yeah. So but there's a way to like be aesthetically correct and still be well lit and be clear For on sure. camera, you know, but yeah, but like, those things are important. And like these platforms do know how to tell. If it's a good quality video, both like on sound and clarity. So I think if you just kind of have those things in check, and again, not saying you have to have this big camera, but you know, there's little things you can, you know, it can all be shot on iPhone, but thinking about, you know, consciously thinking about lighting and is like, you know, is, you know, is it, you know, natural light? Do I go by, you know, even I had to film a podcast on camera yesterday here. And I just went to Target and I bought like the Logi because I, I ended up staying in Hawaii longer than I thought I was going to. So I just went to Target and bought like a little like Logitech bite. But all those things, the, those little things do do matter. And, you know, you, if a little bit of effort with not a lot of money can go a long way in terms of like clarity and performance on socials.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I love that you brought up that idea of like... Just focusing on like the one minute content videos, because I think that a lot of people still have this like old school approach to marketing music where they think like, well, the only way to market it is to have these big full production music videos. And like, that's what I need for YouTube is like this big four minute long drawn out video. And I think when people think of that, they immediately think like, well, that's too expensive. I can't afford that. So then they just give up on their promotion. But it sounds like you're kind of just saying, like, just find ways to include your music in whatever you're doing in your video. And like that alone is going to be enough to to get people to pay attention or to at least consume your music, whether they're like really aware of the fact that they're doing that or not. Um, So I'm curious to also get your thoughts then, like as far as the promotion side of things, should should people be making more of an attempt to like make the music the thing in the forefront? Or is it like more about connecting the audience with the members of the band or that kind of thing? Or is it? Is it a combination of it?
1: I think it's a combination of both. I, I do think that making people interested in the music first is important because it's hard to make somebody care about members of a band if they don't like the music first. Like, yeah. like something we do with, especially with a lot of pop artists, is we like to almost we like to basically set up a rabbit hole for people to fall into once they've discovered somebody. So like, there's a pop group that we're that we just started working with and we're trying to figure out, okay, you know, it's kind of like a band boy band sort of centric group. And we're sort of thinking like, okay, like we need their main account as a group. We probably need to keep it like focused on like their music and it being, you know, all the members, that sort of thing. But I want people to be excited about the music and the dance video and want to learn more And I think that where we want people to learn more is to go into kind of like maybe fall into their individual profiles. So we want to make sure the right content is there for people to get to know you. But I think that the thing that's probably going to initially draw most people into you as an artist is your music. So like there's one artist that I have right now that's he's had an insane year on Instagram and he started with 11,000 followers this year. And he's grown to, he's at nine, he, 900,000 now. Oh, wow. And he's, he, he's really doing a great job. And his music is all, his, sorry, his content is all music focused. And so our, and so we're trying to build fan relationship on top of that is we're actually using his Instagram broadcast channel to like have more of like that sort of friendly communication. But his feed right now is a channel that's pretty focused like on his music and or covers. And that's worked for him. And now we're trying to set up like, how do we you know how do we incorporate more personality pieces now that he has a captive audience based upon his music? But I think music has to come
0: first. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, yeah, you're not going to really pay attention to people if you don't know who they are or why you want to pay attention to them. So their music is definitely going to be the thing that draws people in. But then I, I love what you said there about the idea of maybe branching it out to individual members content as well. Because then once someone gets into that realm, then like then they're now getting three or four times like, the content because they have all those members promoting the same songs and all that kind of stuff even more. So you get like even deeper ingrained into the the fandom of that artist, right? So um it's it's, it's interesting to think about it that way, but it, it makes a lot of sense. So then like, okay, let's say people are making their videos, at, you know, whatever type of videos it is, like at that point there, like what metrics should people be paying attention to? Uh, to to know if this content is even working? Or does it matter? Um, I mean,
1: I think it matters to a certain extent. But I think that what the metrics I like people to pay attention to is their own. Like, did I do better last month or this month? And, And why? And I think you just always want to try to do a little better than you did the previous month. Um, because if you start comparing yourself to other people, like one, you don't have access to their full analytics. So it's hard to really compare yourself versus like what popped up in your feed and how many likes and comments they're getting. Um, but two, it's just, it it just becomes mentally exhausting. So I think it's just important to figure out how I do better. How did I do better this month versus last month? And I think it figure out some like, yes, look at, Likes and engagement, but just in general, especially on Instagram, something I like to tell artists is that in general, that platform's likes and comments are falling. So, like, it's, you know, I don't, don't get in your head about it. If it's not growing the way that it did a year ago, there's just no new people in the world left to sign up for Instagram. So, therefore, your <laughs> numbers are not going to grow in most circumstances. It's a population issue. There's nobody new to sign up. So, mm-hmm. unless you're having these, like, sort of external moments outside of social media that are making you popular or you're having like insane viral moments on reels growth is kind of hard and engagement is kind of hard um but uh, but make some make some variables that you can control like okay last month I posted three videos and this month I'm going to post five like those i think those are kind of really good goals like i posted more stories this month i You know, I posted more videos versus photos this month. Like, I think creating some things that you can actually control is really important in that process because there's a lot of stuff that you can't control on TikTok and Meta platforms, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have any like recommendations for how often people should be posting stuff?
1: Um. It's it's tough. I mean, like the so the guy that I'm talking about that had like exponential growth on Instagram Reels this month, and, he, and TikTok is following a similar pattern. He posts every morning religiously at six a.m. um Pacific time. That's like the 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 moment for him that seems to be doing well. um But he had to build to that. You know, like he didn't just start and go straight in at posting daily. Like he had to. I would say earlier in the year, he was probably posting two or three times a week and he got better at filming content and like producing the audio for that content. And so like he built up to where he was now, but almost if you even, and, and I'll his name is Michael Jarro. If you go in like to the beginning of the year and see what type of content he was producing to what it's now, you can see the evolution of his skills getting better and making content for social media. Mm-hmm. And you can see like that he started and not as well lit room and evolved to like better lit scenarios. And you can see that the audio production for those videos evolved. And you can see that he moved the captions up in the video. Like you can see the evolution, but the reason he got better is because he kept doing it. And he started with way less video frequency at the beginning of the year and built to this, but it mm-hmm. wasn't an overnight process. Yeah, it makes sense. It may look like it now because the growth now on some days is really insane. But all that little groundwork he was doing when he was probably gaining 100 followers a month in terms of building his skills to produce these videos is what... And they're not difficult to produce, by the way. But little, you know, learning about lighting, framing, you know, how to make things sound better. Like, you know, that's, that's skills that evolve with practice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, but he so he posts every day now, but he didn't start there. Yeah. So sure. I think if you're not doing it at all now, like if you if you're doing zero videos right now and you get two out in one month, you're doing a great job. And then yeah. maybe you figure out how to do four the next month. You know, like that's that's the those are kind of the benchmarks I think people should be looking at.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like one argument that I've heard a lot of people say is that like you know, kind of like you just described here, where it it does take time to get good at this stuff. And you do have to, the more you do it, the better you get and the more you learn. And, you know, you'll eventually get some traction there with it. But one argument that I've heard some people make is like, it just, it seems like it takes too long to make all this stuff or to, to like, to commit to making this stuff. And maybe likes and follows aren't really, Paying my bills, they're not making me any more money with my music and that kind of stuff. And so, because of that, like they think, well, I'm not going to put in all that effort to like learn this stuff. So, you know, going back to that metric question, um, you know, when people look at likes and follows, like there 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 isn't really like a monetary correlation there necessarily, right? Um, so, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that. Like, do those likes and follows really matter as far as like growth? Obviously, growth on the platform, sure, but like. Um, from your perspective, like are there is there more of a correlation there as to in terms of like the the size of your audience on Instagram versus, you know, how much you're making, selling your music and that kind of stuff?
1: I mean, there, you know, there's
0: it, it's tough. Like I don't I don't think there's a direct correlation. I know some people
1: have like, you know, millions of followers on TikTok that can't move any tickets, and I know some people that have two hundred thousand and can move a ton of tickets. My my favorite data point is actually ticket counts. That is my favorite thing to look at because that is, that is the thing that matters the most, but success on social media can lead to better ticket counts, but I don't think it it doesn't translate the same for, for everyone. Um, but for example, I'm, my company works with a comedian named Taylor Tomlinson and we've worked with her since pretty early on. And when she started, you know, her, you know, she was, definitely under like 50,000 Instagram followers. And, um, you know, she's worked really hard at social media over over the past several years. And, you know, it's led to, you know, she's had a lot of other factors in her career in terms of, you know, Netflix specials. And now she's a late night TV show host, which is like, you know, that's going to launch next year, but that's like a big moment for her. Um, but I will say as her social media grew, you know, it definitely was a contributing factor, I think, to her ticket counts getting better, you know, but she doesn't have like 20 million Instagram followers. You know, she has, you know, she's but it, so it's it's like the numbers do help grow the important things, but they're not the end all be all of everything. Because I know people who have 20 times the amount of Instagram followers in her would not be able to sell out a theater or, you know, I feel like she's probably close to being going into arenas at some point. Um You know, it doesn't correlate directly, but more, you know, you can use these platforms to get more exposure on your brand and music and that will eventually, you know, hopefully lead to more people consuming music and coming to see you and buying merchandise, but they're not directly correlated. No, but more exposures and more followers is not a bad thing in terms of getting your music out there.
0: For sure. Yeah, I guess it's just more of like, uh, it's it's like growing a mailing list, right? It's like the more people that are on your mailing list, the more people are getting notified about the new things that you have. And as long as you're growing an audience of the right people who truly connect with you and your, your message and your music, then the bigger that audience gets, then the more likely I guess you would be to having better ticket sales as a result of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as somebody is growing their touring career, like their social media numbers are gonna increase like that's that's going to happen it may not be like influencer level increase but they are going to go up for sure
0: yeah so so on that note of those people who are like you know maybe this isn't worth it for me like what do you have to say to people who feel like it should be all about the music and that they shouldn't have to do social media and like people that are in that still like old school way of thinking of the music industry like what what advice do you have for those people
1: if it were the 1970s and somebody wanted to play your music video on TV or somebody wanted to put your song on the radio. Would you tell them that that didn't matter that you wouldn't want to be there? And the answer is probably that you would want to be in those places because you want to be a successful artist and for better, for worse, social media and our phones are this generation's TV and radio. And so if you want to be in the media where music and entertainment is consumed, you have to figure out how you find your space on that phone screen. There's there's no way around it.
0: That's a great answer. I love that. <laughs> I I am all about like making people realize that they just need to like stop thinking small and th- stop thinking old school these days. Cause like yeah. I hear, it's I hear it too often.
1: I mean, this is, that's how people consume music. Like you listen to Spotify and Apple on your phone. You watch you you i you know i'm i'm traveling right now and i'm watching tv from my phone i i screen it to my tv from my phone every piece of media that i'm consuming is attached to my phone so we need to be putting our music and content about music in places where people consume it and that is all very centered around the phone right now that's just there's no way around it
0: absolutely Would you say that there's there are certain platforms that people should be going towards first or like, is there a strategy to that? Like, should people focus on one platform at a time or just jump on all of them and try to, you know, share as much content as possible amongst all those? Like, is is there any sort of strategy there?
1: I think that it's important to eventually get to as many platforms as possible, because I say it's more chances, more chances for people to hear your music. But. I, I say that you have to sort of start one. If you have zero social media presence, start focusing on one at a time and building. It's kind of like a, a running a marathon. You're not going to go run 26 miles tomorrow. If you haven't trained for it at all, you're going to probably walk a mile as your first day. So let's figure out what that version of walking a mile your first day is. Maybe it's registering an Instagram account and then doing two posts that month. That's like step one of running the marathon. And then maybe you the next month you have like a weekly post on Instagram. Okay, cool. Now maybe you think about opening a TikTok and taking some of the content you posted there onto TikTok. But I think it's important to tier it because if you go straight into running best practices on day one, you're probably, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're probably going to fail and hate it. And that's not a long-term sustainable like relationship to have with social media. So I think, you know, pick, Pick one platform to focus on for month one, one, two, master it, and then maybe okay. Now I'm going to add TikTok in there, and then now TikTok's rolling. Okay, maybe a month four, like I'm going to make sure that I'm post, I'm get, you know, maybe I should start putting some stuff on Snapchat. Maybe I should think about a YouTube channel, but like you have, like, kind of make sure that like each one is sort of like up and running and you have a system for it before you add another one versus like registering seven properties. And <laughs> it, it just, I think it's too overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's like to to learn the algorithm of one is, is tough enough, but then to like try to figure out however many platforms there are, it's just, it just would seem way too overwhelming and you'd be... I think you probably, you have to ease yourself into that process. Like you said, like the marathon example, I think that's a great example there. Um, is there like kind of a, a hierarchy of platforms that you think people should be diving into? Um, you know, I
1: think I could argue the hierarchy, but I think right now um, Instagram is still very important. I, I feel like Instagram is almost kind of like your web page now. If somebody's hearing about your you as an artist or as a band for the first time, probably going to type it into Instagram to like learn about you first. I think that's kind of a first like learning point. So I always like to make sure that's kind of tight. Um, TikTok still has a lot of great moments to get on people's for you pages or still go quote unquote, go viral. So I think that those two are kind of where I prioritize stuff, but then I've also seen people have some really nice moments on Snapchat on YouTube shorts, Facebook reels, depending on the type of music you have, like I've seen some really big moments there too. So there's, there's a lot of different little places, but I would still say Instagram is still kind of like a key important player. And I think an easy sort of entry point for people to start with.
0: Interesting. I, I, I find that fascinating you said that because I, I think a lot of people just because a lot of people spend time on Facebook would maybe gravitate towards that or something like a YouTube as one of the earlier things to, to go into. But um, but I think you're right. Like I think Instagram does give you a lot of different options to explore between like your posts and your stories and lives and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of does seem like a good platform to to get all of the important things uh, to start. So, yeah, it's very interesting.
1: And I think something that's kind of tricky about YouTube and Facebook is that, like, I would say, like, posting on Instagram is similar to consuming on Instagram, like being a consumer. But Facebook has a lot more differences in terms of running a page versus, like, being a regular, like, profile engaging with friends on there. So that's why I think that one's a little more challenging. And same with kind of YouTube. It's a little different than, like, watching videos and commenting versus, like, running your own channel. There's, I mean, they're both doable. But I would say Instagram is kind of the closest entry point to also like consuming on the platform.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In terms of um, planning social media posts and scheduling all that kind of stuff. Are there any specific tools that you like to use to help you through that process? I have trust issues with tools. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think just maybe because I've been doing this for
1: almost 20 years. I've seen a lot of tools exist in like Mess up. I've seen them be a part of like password leaks. Um, I've seen them post at the wrong time or not post when you schedule it. So I have trust issues with them. If I do use them, they're usually the ones that are native to the platforms. And I actually still make somebody like if we have a tour announced for Europe and it's at 2 a.m. in the United States, I'm still making somebody get up to make sure like we can pre-schedule <laughs> it. But I'm making sure somebody gets up to make sure that they went up um, because they because there there are issues and they don't sometimes. Um, so the way that I sort of plan is I'm pretty simple. I just make sure I have a plan in Google doc that, uh, that multiple people can look at and I update it on a ongoing basis, but I, I keep it simple. I, I don't use a lot of um don't use a lot of social media planning tools because it's uh I don't know. I feel like it ends up going out the window and open and, and none of my artists want to use those to, they don't want to look at them and uh, approve stuff on them. And I find that, I just use documents to keep myself organized. And a lot of times with our clients, we're like texting them on a daily basis to be like, hey, reminder, you need to post this today. Or hey, can we post this for you? But it's like we're organizing ourselves, but they don't even have insight to those documents because they they don't care to look at them.
0: Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I've even heard the argument for, for doing it manually that by doing it manually, as soon as you post it, you can kind of see the immediate results of it. And whereas if you schedule it, you're probably not even paying attention to what people are doing with it. So, you know, if you have a large enough following, you can see the comments come through or the shares or whatever and like comments on people's comments. And, you know, like that's just another way that you can interact with people. And, uh, you know, it, it makes a good argument for why you would want to do it manually, even though it's it's a pain to do. It It, it helps you just connect with people
1: easier. Yeah and and also you're going to catch errors too like I I think I've seen a lot of detrimental not really in music but brand mistakes where they posted something and I'm like oh I can tell that you did that manually like if there is like when something goes up immediately after a big school shooting or a war like <laughs> it started or that sort of thing I've seen a lot of issues where I'm like oh that looks like really ill-timed right now and if they probably would have caught they probably would have re- caught that in the moment if they were doing it manually they're like, oh, this is really not a good idea. Like, oh, there's just a giant school shooting and we're gonna be pushing X sale or launching X new product. Like you 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 have more like you, you have more catches to like think about those those moments. Um, or you can catch that like people are clicking on a link and it's not working. And also I think social media platforms, they they like when you log in manually to post because the what makes these platforms worth more you know, on the stock market or, you know, whatever, whatever, what makes these platforms worth money is amount of time spent on them. That makes them worth more money. And you're not spending more time on them if you're using tools to upload. So they want you to log in and upload manually because while you're logged in and posting, you're going to get an ad and they're going to make more money. Yeah. So they want you, they want you in there. They're going to prioritize you a bit more if you're, Logged in there because they're they're able to make money off of you if you're in there. So that's that's another thing I think about, too.
0: Interesting. What are your thoughts on, like, sponsored posts and that kind of thing? Like, should people be doing that to, to get their music out there? Like paying other people to post about it? Well, either that, like either paying like influencers to to market music or, um, you know, you can also do like YouTube ads and stuff like that. Where like you can maybe promote your music video and and you know people pay for that kind of thing. Like, do you think that those are valid options to explore as well, or should people just be focusing on the organic side of things first?
1: I mean, I think organic definitely has a bigger upside, and there's still a lot of good moments you can have with organic. So I would definitely prioritize that as number one. But um, there are there can be some good moments with ads. Like I think right now, so th- something I've kind of learned over the years is that the m- earlier. on an advertising product you get the better bang for your buck you're going to get because it's not as developed so right now tiktok is kind of the ad platform that's underdeveloped because it's not as old of a platform so i would say that you're going to get the most like impressions out of boosting a tiktok post right now but like years ago that was instagram and facebook and before that it was youtube but as they mature you kind of have like and they have better tools for targeting. you get sort of those less kind of magic moments for less money. Um but I think all those platforms can be worth spending a little bit on it. and you don't have to spend a lot. there all those platforms will take smaller amounts of money for boosting. And I think you can experiment and see how those do. The one thing I always recommend to people is when you're if you're have no experience with advertising, like spend time when you're buying the ad to look at every part of the form you can fill out. Um, I think a lot of people skip over it because they're like, I don't know what this means. But if you spend a little bit of time, you can figure it out. You can figure out that this means like what countries it's targeted to. And this means what age group it's targeted to. And this means what interest it's targeted to. But like spend time and like, don't ever just like leave any part of the form to like automatic like look at it and think about it. And I think that's where you can catch a lot of things and sort of get better rates on, on ads. Um, but I think the things that are worth spending money on from a music standpoint is maybe like a small TikTok boost um, here and there, I think is a good place to start in terms of spending money. Um you can have some really good moments if you do have like a youth, like if you have a music video, I think you can have some good moments on AdSense with, pushing a YouTube video even for a couple hundred dollars, it can translate to several thousand views easily if you set it up correctly. But I think those are two good places to start. And maybe a little money towards um, Spotify's marquee tool. I think that's another good place to spend. Um, but I would spend it more on boost versus like custom ads in the, be- in the beginning, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, this is going to be a super loaded question, but like as far as budgeting for from the promotion of music like do you have any advice there in terms of like how much people should save up in advance to, to market their material like obviously the more money you have available the more you're gonna be able to do with it but um is there are there any recommendations there as far as like how big or small people should start
1: um i mean you you know in terms of like paid advertising i think try, you know do a song and start really small and see if it how it goes like in and, and like maybe pick like Maybe do like $250 on on a song and, you know, do $50 to, you know, $50 to boost on TikTok, maybe $100 on Marquee for Spotify, and then maybe $100 to boost a YouTube video. Like try something like that. But you can do even that, even something as small as $250 can be impactful in terms of new audience and getting more views. So I think it's you know I think something like that is fine to experiment with it, again like you know with, with you know some more can be nice but sometimes it's not even worth spending more I think even if I had more I think I would probably start with that and if it did well make you can always add more money to it mm-hmm. you're like oh this is translating and I'm seeing I'm getting followers because of this you can add more money if you feel like it's worth it you know but you don't have to like wait until you have two thousand dollars to boost TikTok posts to release a song. You know, you you can, Mm -hmm. you can kind of play it by ear. And even if you have $2,000, you spend $50 and it's not working. Don't feel obligated to spend the rest of it. Like you kind of have to look at it in real time and decide if that investment is worth it or not.
0: That's a, that's a really good point. And I think, uh, very good advice because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's so easy to spend and waste money on these platforms. And especially if you're not like paying attention to how well these, your ads or whatever are doing, you know, you can burn through that money real quick. So at least if you spend a little bit of money here and there, and then you kind of evaluate, do you need to make any tweaks to it? Like that kind of thing that's going to allow you to get much further if you're like updating according to the success of your posts. And if it's working and it's crushing, then absolutely just, you know, spend the money on it. But, um, but I think that's a really good point to bring up is that you you don't have to spend your full budget right away, like test it out first. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As far as, um, like, social media posts and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on using AI to assist with, with any of that social media content? Do you feel like there's, there are uh, valid uses for it or that it it can be helpful or any advice there? I think it still has a little
1: bit of ways to go. Um, I wouldn't trust it completely. I think AI is good for brainstorming. Like even on chat GPT, if you're like, I'm this kind of artist and I want, ideas for what to post on tiktok it'll shoot back to you like seven ideas and one or two of them might be like a good thought starter but like I, I just don't think any of these are fully dependable yet i just think they take some of the leg word leg work out of brainstorming when maybe you have that mental block
0: mm-hmm. no that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah i think it's a good uh yeah it's a good idea starter that if anything yeah, yep makes a lot of sense Another question I had about like kind of just going back to like the metrics and followers and stuff like that is that there's still a lot of people that think that like you need to have a million followers or whatever in order to like make it, quote unquote, make it in this industry and like earn a living. And I guess going back to like what we were talking about earlier with ticket sales and that kind of stuff, um, as someone who works with a lot of different artists, like do you agree that like you need to at least have like a pretty decent sized following in order to like make an actual decent living off of this? I don't think it has to be a million. I think you
1: have to have a following for sure, but I have an artist who has um, about 75,000 followers on Instagram and she did a tour this summer and um, netted $150,000. So, you know, that's a six figure salary off of one tour and, you know, she has a dedicated fan base and caters to them and can make money on a club tour and selling merchandise and VIPs because of that. But she's not anywhere near a million followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So it's all, it's all relative. How are those people converting and how much do they spend on you and how much do they like you (laughs) and do do they like you enough to come to the show and to buy the (laughs) VIP and to buy some merchandise? It's all, I've seen it sliced and diced a lot of different ways.
0: Mm -hmm. What about like, I know there's that, that dreaded term influencers, you know, <laughs> as far as like becoming an influencer and maybe like partnering up with brands and stuff like that. Like, do you see that as a, as an avenue that artists should explore as well? Or does that, should you be at a certain level before you go after that kind of thing?
1: I think that, I mean, it it depends. Like, I think that there's some, I think the in- influencers that are the most successful right now that are like kind of new to that industry are people who are super niche. So like, You know, you, you know, play it guitar a certain way and all of your content is about guitars. You'll probably pull in some like deals around guitar. You know, if you have a hundred thousand followers and post a lot about guitars, like you're gonna, you know, you're probably going to be able to make a living doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm in Hawaii right now. So I was looking up some like female surfers last night and I found this one girl. In Hawaii that has like $125,000 and or not $125,000, 125,000 fans on Instagram. And, um, she has a ton of brand deals like from, you know, bathing suit companies and nutrition companies and that sort of thing. But she's super like niche to that specific thing. And all of her content is about like surfing and surf lifestyle. So I think that if you're trying to be an Artist, it's gonna be hard to be a niche influencer too. I'd almost want like two separate accounts, but as an influencer, you yeah, you can make a really good living, you know, in in you know, if you have your, you know, sort of category on lockdown. I mean, some of the other, you know, sort of categories and influencer that I see doing really well are like family ones that you know, with parenting and like, you know, um things to buy for your kids. Like that's a pretty successful category at the moment. And a lot of nutrition stuff is super successful, but I think it's hard to like pursue music and that on the same channel. I would almost want them to be separate.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess too, if you have like, if there's a certain aesthetic to the band or like a, like a certain kind of, um, uh, vibe that goes along with the artist, then like, those are the things that, yeah, you can maybe gravitate toward. Like you could find some, uh, branding deals and stuff. Like I know some artists, some friends of mine that they, uh, they've kind of become known as being like a party band and they, they built up their following. And then all of a sudden, like they were starting to like approach like companies about, you know, like can we market your chips or your beer or whatever, you know, like, and, and like they got some brand deals out of it and like they ended up doing very well because of it. And because of those brands being as big as they were, that obviously brought in a lot of new followers to the, to their, to their group. And it just kind of started from there and uh, they were making pretty substantial living off of just like these these brand deals even though like at the time they weren't like super massive on on Instagram um but they were just fine. they were finding ways to like market things and get paid for that and and fund fund their career too so um yeah i think sometimes just having like a a theme to the band or some sort of like thing that people know you for then that could, that can also help Yeah
1: you. i think it's but i think the music still has to come first like it's like they had the the brand that made sense for those products and i think every you know i think every brand you know, I think every artist once they sort of develop who they are, they probably have brands that are kind of natural, organic, you know, fits for, you know, them to partner mm. with. But I think you have to kind of I think trying to pursue getting brands and getting your music off the ground at the same time is too hard. I think you have to prioritize music and then I think the right brands will find you or you have a little bit of following and you can approach them with a, a value add.
0: Fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, last question I want to ask you is like for all the people listening to this who are maybe thinking of like, okay, cool, like I'm gonna release a record, I'm gonna do all the social media stuff, or maybe they don't wanna do that social media stuff. As someone who does it for a living, at what stage does it make sense for an artist to think about hiring a social media manager?
1: Um it's it depends. Like I think that if you want like a full-on company like mine, I think it's you should you should hire us when you don't have time to do it yourself. I think that's what you know? What the best time to do that is when you're so busy you can't, you don't have time to dedicate to it. Um, I think maybe a step before hiring a social media manager is maybe like hiring myself or a company like mine to do like a consult for you. Because most of them will be you want to you know do like a boot camp or one time consultation. Maybe that's a better place to start um, when you still have time to do it but need a little bit of guidance. But I I, I think that's kind of you know, the advice I give on that front.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I guess one thing that I wanted to clarify is that like you're talking about time. You know, a lot of people would say, I don't have time to do social media. Like just because someone hires a social media manager doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to need time to make content, I'm assuming, right? Like you're not creating a ton of content for people. Like I'm assuming a lot of your clients are still helping you in the creation process, right? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely taking time off their plate, but
1: I can't be them, you know, like they're going to still have to like, you know, shoot video or show up to a shoot that we set up to shoot content they're gonna have to approve post they're gonna have to go live sometimes on instagram maybe or tiktok like there's they're still gonna have to participate but they won't have to spend as much time in terms of like ideation organizing it uploading tour dates that kind of stuff that's where we're gonna help save time
0: makes sense yeah i'm glad we clarified that because i think That's that's kind of like that lazy musician approach of like, oh, I just hire like a manager, I hire a booking agent or I hire, you know, like social media manager. Like these people are going to do all the work for me. I don't need to do anything. Uh, So, you know, uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm glad we're always going to have to
1: participate. And uh, no matter how much money you have or how much success you have. And I think a lot of artists learn this the hard way by kind of being screwed over in certain categories. You're always going to have to have a relationship with your accountant and talk about money. You're going to have to have a relationship with your lawyer and understand baseline things that they're telling you. They'll break it down and make it easier for you to understand, but you're going to have to talk to your lawyer. You're going to have to talk to your manager. You're going to have to look at your ticket counts. You're going to have to approve merch designs like you are if you're an artist you can't avoid being a business person you're you're the ceo of your brand no matter how much you don't want to do some of those tasks you are gonna you can delegate and get a lot of the hours off your plate but you're still going to have to be involved with communicating with these people and making decisions that's just part of running your own company
0: yeah i think that that's a, a great way to sum it up and, and it's definitely super important um Cassie, this is this has been great. I've I've really appreciated you taking the time to talk about all this stuff. And I think that for a lot of our audience, there's there's a lot of people out there who are trying to put their music out, but honestly have no idea where to begin. And I think this episode is going to be really helpful. So thank you for taking the time to do it and and uh for for giving such great answers as well. Of course. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Or potentially even look into your company to to potentially work with. What's the best avenue for them to do that? Best avenue to reach me is on Instagram or LinkedIn. That's
1: where I'm the most active. And my name on both of those platforms is my name, Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, Petrie, P-E-T-R-E-Y.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again for, for being on here. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course. Thank you.
0: So that was my interview with Cassie Petrie. And I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I hope that you found it super helpful. I know it's a little different than what we normally talk about on here, but I felt like it was really relevant because I get a lot of questions from students always about, you know, how do I promote my music or what should I be doing? What kind of content should I be making? All that kind of stuff. So I felt like it was really helpful to have someone like Cassie come on here and really break things down and give us some insight into not only the types of content that we should be doing, but also the strategies in terms of how to think about approaching Spotify and how to think about marketing your music and all that kind of stuff. I think it's all really, really important and relevant information. And I thought she shared a ton of amazing stuff here for us. I love what she was talking about in terms of how you don't really need to spend a ton of money to make content. You could just simply use your your phone, which you already have. You know, that's a pretty good camera in your pocket there. So there's not really a ton of excuses for why you can't do it. It's not like you need professional equipment or any of that kind of stuff. Instead, you just got your phone. So, you know, something like that, it could just be filming your band practice or you jamming on your guitar or singing in a room or whatever. Like, there's all sorts of quick content that you could be making. And then, as long as you're incorporating your music in it, it has potential to be spreading and for people to pick up on that. So, I love that she ta- talked about how it doesn't need to be expensive. And I also thought it was cool to talk about the strategy in terms of how far in advance you should be promoting your music. And then once you do, what metrics should you be paying attention to, right? Like are likes and follows enough or is there more to it? So I love that she covered all that kind of stuff here. And lastly, I thought it was really important to talk about the idea of when to hire a social media manager, because Time and time again, I hear from people who always say like, oh, if only I had this person on my team or that person on my team, then I would get this stuff done. But the reality is that as an artist, as someone who's trying to promote your music and make a career out of this, you do have to put in the work. You can't just hire other people to do it for you. You need to put in the work. And by doing that, it also makes it so that when you finally do have the ability to hire someone to help you with that stuff, at least you know what should be happening. You know your systems and you can then vet whether that person is good or not because they're either following your systems to a T and they're making it work for you or they're not. And then if that's the case, you get rid of that person. So you know, I think it's really important to realize that you do have to put in the work. And for some of you listening to this, it's going to suck. You might not enjoy making social media content, but if you want to actually make a career in the modern music industry, you have to be making it. You have to care about that stuff and you have to promote your music and not just hope that someone's going to magically find you and decide to do all the work for you. Even still, even if someone had a lot of money, you still are the artist. You still have to be promoting your music. So I thought it was really great that we covered that because it's the dose of hard reality that a lot of us need to hear. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that episode just as much as I did. If you did, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way you're notified about all new episodes as they go live each and every Wednesday morning. And if you're still working on your music, I know Cassie mentioned earlier in the episode that there's a lot of musicians that will just tweak and tweak and tweak and never quite finish their songs. But if you're someone who has been working on your music for a while and you're just ready to get your songs out and you want them to sound as good as your favorite records. I would love to help you out throughout that process. If you're feeling stuck in terms of what to do with your songs to improve the quality of them, that's exactly what I can help you out with. And inside of my coaching program, Amplitude, I work one-on-one with my students to help them get their music done. We work back and forth on your songs. You're gonna get mixed reviews, feedback. You're gonna get all your questions answered. There's mastering, there's a whole bunch of training libraries involved. It is a program designed to help make the process of making pro recordings and mixes Super easy and super repeatable so that you can do it with all of your songs and you get feedback and hand holding all the way through so that you can be confident that you're taking the right steps. So if you're interested in learning more about this program and you would love help with your songs, make sure to visit MasterYourMix.com forward slash Amplitude. And that's where you can find all the information about that program there. And then I would love to hop on a call with you. I'd love to learn more about the kind of projects that you're working on, what your goals are, and just to make sure that we align. And if it seems like I can truly help you, then I would love to have you inside of this program and to work with you to get your songs done. So once again, make sure to visit MasterYourMix.com forward slash Amplitude, and you can find all the details there. So with that said, we've reached the end of this episode. Thank you so much for sticking around. And I can't wait to chat with you in the next one. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at MasterYourMix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit MasterYourMix.com.